2: UNLV got a commitment from a top 100 player yesterday. Kyron Lindsey committed to UNLV. He is ranked just inside the top 100 in the class of 2022. He is a 6'8 power forward. Uh, He had in his final eight a couple other schools like Arkansas, Tennessee, Oklahoma State. He actually had a visit to Tennessee scheduled for either this weekend or the next weekend that he canceled because he committed to UNLV after visiting this past Weekend, So Kevin Krueger has landed his first high school recruit, and it is a top 100 player for this upcoming class.
0: See, I knew everyone listened to the show, but I wasn't sure how many people out at UNLV did. Uh, but you talked about this in brief yesterday, where you hadn't signed a high school kid, gets a top 100 kid. I don't know anything about him other than he can dunk, because in the video he announced (laughs) he dunked like 46 times. I don't know what else he can do. Uh, He was reverse dunking. He was forward dunking. He was doing one-handed dunk, so good for him. Good for Kevin Krueger. You talked about it yesterday in terms of go after the top 100 kids. And he got one. Yeah, so good I, for him.
2: I think the the sort of order of operations, like we said yesterday, is take portal. some swings at some top 100 kids. If you can land some top 100 kids, awesome. Good for you. The second option is the transfer portal mm-hmm. and whatever holes you have in your roster. Right, they're gonna play this year with a roster primarily made up of transfers mm-hmm. and. There's going to be some holes in the roster, whether it's, I mean, kids are going to leave because it's college basketball, but also some of these kids aren't going to be as good as they thought or whatever. It's okay, we need a power forward, or we need a guy that can knock down threes, and you can go find that guy in the portal. So that's sort of option two, and then option three is, okay, we struck out on the transfer portal. Now we need to turn to some three-star, you know, ranked 320th freshman to come in here and fill out the roster, and that's not ideal when you have to do that, but that's sort of your third option here, but... Tyron Linden's first one. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, hasn't signed yet, so still technically could uh, decommit and go somewhere else. We Listen, we've had a lot of UNLV basketball players that are, like, committed and they end up never showing up here for one reason or another. So
0: once he signed, you feel I a little more comfortable. I don't know. He ripped open that jacket and had the UNLV he shirt. Did. It's hard to come back. Did. It's hard to come back from that. But you can. You can come what back if this kid does not if he decommits, he does another video of him dunking. Tyron, like I said yesterday, I think it was someone filming. Tyron, where are you going? Tyron, where are you going this time? Where are you going this time? <laughs> I do want to give a
2: shout out to Kyron Lindsey because he announced this in the middle of the day on a Thursday. He did not do this on a Friday at like 5 p.m. or a Saturday at 8 p.m. like a lot of UNLV commits have done in the past, which is a disaster. We've talked about it before. You completely miss the news cycle. When Listen, you do
0: that. I'm giving shout-out because I'm pretty sure that basket he was dunking on was the one Jimmy Chitwood had in Hoosiers because that had the uh, had the uh, chain uh, net, which was awesome. Looks like he was out in the middle of nowhere. I thought that was actually pretty cool. I mean, I thought that was actually pretty cool the this way he announced His video had better production than Hoosiers, so... Somewhat, yes. Gene Hackman was not the one behind the behind the uh, camera screaming at him.
2: Man, you know that's a great question. Do you have a Ryder Cup update for us?
0: Oh, god Tyler. I, I'm sorry I put you on the spot. I Tyler, thought you were looking at it right now. Of the four of the four morning matches, the Americans are up in three of them. Oh, let's yeah. go. Shoffley and Cantley are up five, through, five up through nine. So, like we said, they're going to pick the ball up on the 13th. Say thanks, fellas. Thanks for playing. Uh, Johnson Morikawa up three now, three through 12. Captain Berger two up through 11. The only bums out there for the U.S. are Thomas and Spieth. They're two down against Sergio Garcia and John Randall. How far in are they? Through 13. So, eh, that's probably over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's probably over. First so day of the Ryder Cup. They look like they might win three of the first four. That's good. Yes, are absolutely. we going to beat
2: the Europeans? Are we the favorites? I don't have any idea who the favorites are in the Ryder Cup. I assume we're not every time, but I have no idea. I thought we were small. We are? Okay. Small favorites. I would know nothing about who the favorites are in the Ryder Cup. But but it's... you'd watch it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'll I'd, watch it over the weekend. I'd pay attention to Absolutely. some of it. Yeah, it's, it, is a, it is an interesting golf uh, format. Like, it's not yeah. your usual golf format. It's the two-on-two, head-to-head, and it's, you know, if you're up enough, that's 15 holes, you pick up the balls and you're done. It's great. It's great. Yeah. So you you kind of always have a walk off putt or a walk off miss putt, one of the ways. Kepka seems
0: very happy to be there. (laughs) Can't believe he's winning his match. Last week, uh, yeah, you got to play and then someone makes a bad shot, and that's on me. It's like, uh, you're part of the team.
2: (laughs) The Panthers beat the Texans 24 9 last night. Davis Mills started for the Texans at quarterback. Christian McCaffrey left with a hamstring
0: injury. Did you watch any of this? Walked into the living room to get a drink of water. Son is watching the game. Looked up. Saw two plays and walked out. <laughs> Pretty much what I watched. It. And you made the right decision. So, I, And then afterwards, I read on Twitter, was that the worst game in the history of Thursday it night games? It might have games? been. And it, Thursday night games have had some dogs. Right.
2: Because here's the other part of that. There was, like, genuinely no interesting... Like side story or anything, like it was Davis Mills playing quarterback, and the Texans were horrified to ha- ask him to throw the ball down the field. Like they just can't. They had a third and like fourteen. They ran a halfback draw. It was like they they were horrified of it. So like at least next week, what do we we get the Bengals and the Jaguars? Well, at least teams, you get watch Trevor Lawrence, though. but you get too, you get Joe Burrow and Trevor yeah, Lawrence. Yeah, exactly. You get two you get. first round, two number right. one overall picks. Like right. there's at least some an interesting. Yes. Oh wow, Trevor Lawrence looks terrible or looks good or whatever right. it's going to be. This was just why the hell are we watching Davis Mills? What are we doing? And then Christian McCaffrey.
0: Well, gets and hurt. then he got hurt. So I like. I really am glad I didn't right. watch it because I like watching him.
2: What are we doing? Like it was. It might have been the worst Thursday night game ever because it wasn't even. It wasn't even bad enough of a game that you could make fun of how bad the game. Like it wasn't hilariously bad with like seven turnovers. It was just a crappy football game.
0: And this shows you what my son's uh, thinking was. The only re- reason reason to watch it is he had known Matt Rule when he was at Baylor. And that's it. Wanted nothing to do with the game. He didn't even know. He 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 didn't even know why um, Long Neck guy was playing. (laughs) I mean, that was it. So you're not a believer in the the Panthers.
2: I mean, they're three and zero, but it's it's similar to the conversation we've had with the Raiders. The best team in that division is going to be nearly impossible to catch, right? They're not going to pass Tampa Bay three and oh so to get an nfc Wild Card spot do they need nine wins they need ten wins so if they only need nine then, they then just they're need, off to a good start they need six wins yeah, the rest of the season yeah. that's plausible to have 14 games yeah especially because they get to play the falcons and they just blew out the saints i don't know right. if they'll do that again but they get the saints again so like they could get to nine wins it's a question of is is nine enough but they're not catching Tampa Bay. They're not anywhere close to Tampa Bay. They're not going to win the division. So it's really, can they get like the DSC last wild card? List. Yeah, it's the same as the Raiders conversation yeah. where the Raiders are probably going to be 3-0. and But again, even team. though you'll have a better record than Kansas City through three weeks, nobody actually thinks the Raiders are better than Kansas no. City. And that makes it a problem when you're, you can make the playoffs. But are you going to do anything beyond that? Because you're a wild card team having to go on the road in week one. Next question. The college football playoff board will not vote next week to expand the college football playoff. They are scheduled to vote next week, but they have now delayed that. They were going to vote on the 12-team format. Not anymore, and this is largely because Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC. We're in the midst of some conference realignment, and they kind of want to sit back and wait and see what happens before they vote on a format so that... One conference doesn't end up with a bigger advantage than anybody else in the playoff system.
0: Bill Hancock says we have time because if we want to change the format in 2024, we have a few months. If we want to change in 2026, we have a couple years. Uh, there's not a set timeline. I just get more and more frustrated with these people in terms of there not being a set timeline and not voting. I just, I just do. I'm sorry. You know, you have to expand it. You know, TV wants you to expand it. So if TV wants it, you know it's originally gonna, it's, it's gonna happen because TV rules everything. Um, I also love when it says the 10 FBS commissioners and the Notre Dame athletic director. Like, there's no (laughs) other school that you'd say the 10 FBS commissioners and, like, the Tulane athletic director. Like, there's (laughs) hilarious, the power, as I know they're top 25, but I've watched every one of their games, and they're very average this year, and I think it's going to show against Wisconsin this week. Like, that Notre Dame, they're so powerful. It doesn't even matter how good they are. They will be involved in every one of these discussions. Isn't the easy answer
2: to this to just put a clause in the 12-team playoff? Hey, only four teams can make it from any one conference? Sure. like because the, Is the, that
0: why they're waiting? Because Texas right, Oklahoma is going to the SEC? Their main
2: concern. I mean, there could be more conference realignment in the next year or so, but... Their main concern is Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. The SEC is going to have, uh, depending on the year. Six to eight teams. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to have eight teams yeah. that are six to eight teams that are legitimate top 12 contenders. That could happen. And, you know, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, they don't want to have a playoff system where there's six SEC teams
0: in. I'm not an SEC guy at all. You went to an SEC school. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I don't think that's right because I think if you're good enough to be in it, you should be in it. Sure, but I think at the end of the day, just put a clause in there that says. Oh, you can put the clause in, but you know, again, I this is probably not going to happen because you're going to have better schools at the top of those other leagues. But let's say you know the fifth fifth best SE teams, much better than five of the six that still get in. Like I don't like that. I for some reason I just don't like the idea that. You're going to cut it off, and you the fifth and sixth best team might be better than everyone but yeah. two others. And here's but here's what's going to happen.
2: I don't think we're going to run into a situation where there's an overload of SEC teams in a 12 team playoff. Like there might be five or something like that, but they're going to have to play each other. Like that's the thing is True. you're not going. It's not like True. you're going to have six SEC teams with one loss. Yes, it, right. that, that never True. happens. Now. The SEC tends to get propped up more in the polls, probably deservingly so. So three-loss SEC teams are often ranked ahead of one-and-two-loss Big Ten, Pac-12 schools. That happens, but I feel like you either just put in a clause that says four, or when you vote, hey, the one-loss Pac-12 team or the two-loss Pac-12 team, yeah, we're putting them in over nine-and-three Ole Miss or whatever the team is. Like That's just what you do. So... I don't think it's going to be a big deal at the end of the day, but they're horrified of the SEC taking over and dominating. If
0: it's 12, then the clause better be a minimum of four. I mean, I can find four <laughs> SEC teams every year that's probably
2: among the top so 12 teams in the country. Just guarantee the SEC four teams every year and just move on with the, the other... I don't know
0: if you guarantee them, but you can
2: say you can't have more than four. Yeah, just guarantee them four and just move on with the other eight spots. <laughs> Everybody schools. else, you get eight <laughs> spots, but the SEC, you get four going forward. I don't
0: think the Notre Dame athletic director is voting for that.
2: Next question. Uh, have you seen the story about Frank Gore trying to box? I just saw it. So, no. His quote was, I've been training for both football and boxing. I've always loved boxing, so that's what I've been doing, and we're trying to make a fight happen. If we do that, you'll see me in the ring. He's 38 years old, by the way. Um, He played last year. He's like the eternal running back, but has not signed with the team yet this year, but says he's still training, so he could potentially end up signing with one here at some point. Um, I kind of want to see him box.
0: Oh, I definitely want to see it.
2: Like, I think I want to see that I mean, more than I want to see him play in the NFL.
0: We've seen him play in the yeah. NFL. And he's very he's been very, very good. He's been obviously extremely durable, 38 years old. But, yeah, I definitely want to see it. I'm all for craziness. So, if this guy's boxing at 38, I'd love to see it. Why haven't the Raiders signed him yet? Why are we watching
2: Peyton Barber when we could be watching <laughs> Frank Gore at 38 run through people? Beat people up. Yeah. I mean, you're only going to need, like, six carries a game out of right. the guy. So, where's Frank Gore? Let's go. Sign him at least to the practice squad. Get him on the active roster and let's give him some handoffs. Josh He'll definitely get a fight, out.
0: by the way. People be like, just because of who he is. People would love to fight him. I, I think.
2: assume so. Yeah,
0: absolutely get a fight.
2: Get Frank Gore in the ring. It'll be fun. All right, coming up next, the Oakland A's. Man, by the way, they have been terrible at actually playing baseball. But there's a fun story out there where they might have sabotaged their own fans at the Coliseum we are back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff live from the Finley Toyota ESPN, Las Vegas studios. The A's are coming, right? We're going to get them eventually. No, no, we're not going to get them. Okay. All right, never mind. Sorry. Sorry. Um, okay. A couple different stories. First off, um, casino.org got a story that says the Oakland A's are going to make a decision after the world series. Um, which seems odd to me that they would put that out there and say, Hey, we're gonna wait till after the World Series, because in reality, they're just waiting until Alameda County votes on whether or not they're gonna give yeah, them more they, money.
0: They have to have another one of those city right.
2: council meetings we're all looking forward to to say if they're giving them more. Right. So like the, the World Series is not the important no. indicator here. The important indicator is when does Alameda County vote yes or no on giving them more money. I viewed when they say, Hey, we're gonna wait until after the World Series, I almost view that as Major League Baseball saying, Hey, Once the season is over, we're going to help you out some. We're going to help you put more pressure on Oakland and Alameda County because once the World Series is over, there won't be many baseball headlines. This will be the main baseball headline. We'll get a little bit more publicity, a little bit more attention from saying, hey, the A's might move to Vegas if they don't get what they want in Oakland. If You do that during the playoffs. eh, People will pay attention, but not as much. You do that after the World Series, then that becomes the number one focus of the entire baseball world but the more interesting story this is from the athletic and it kind of sounds like the A's have tried to make the experience at the Coliseum for their home games even worse than it already was so here's what was written in the athletic it appears that Fisher the owner Fisher's frugality has finally caught up with a team that was talented enough to make the postseason in the three seasons leading up to this one well frugality in the Las Vegas overtures which will turn off any fan base The discontinuation of A's access, which didn't just provide a modern way for younger people to pop in whenever they pleased if they paid a monthly fee, but also cut the cost of concessions and parking didn't help either. The A's have spent the past several months telling everyone the Coliseum is not worth your time or money. They went the extra mile by trying to prove it. Concession options are few and they're expensive, and their mobile ordering apps often haven't worked as advertised. Charging thirty dollars for parking in a gigantic lot that has had problems all season getting cars into the Coliseum complex in a timely manner is enough to make all but the most loyal fans swear
0: off going to games. I can't believe it's thirty, and I can't believe they're having trouble getting people in giving ten people go to the game yeah. because i've been in that I've been in that lot many times at the Raiders. It is an enormous parking lot, so How are you? Is it like one person working one gate? I I mean, (laughs) nobody goes to these games. How is it difficult to get people into that parking lot? So you're having
2: to pay $30 for parking, which is a joke when there are, they've had game They're in, in a playoff hunt. They have had games with less than 5,000 people in attendance, $30 for parking. And apparently the getting in and out of that parking lot for all seven cars that are there is a pain. Plus limited concessions or bad concessions that are overpriced and a mobile ordering app that doesn't work very well. Do you think at all the A's have done that on purpose? Do you think I, at all the A's have said, let's make this
0: as miserable of an experience as we can because we need a new ballpark? Yes, I think there's absolute truth to that. I When you have something like the access where, again, cut the cost of concessions and parking to get younger audience in there, just that alone, discontinuing that, Raises eyebrows. Yeah. Like that's one thing. It's actually a great idea. I didn't know they had this access where they, 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 to draw younger people who essentially wouldn't have, you know, the money that older people would have. And they, you know, hey, you can come at a cheaper rate. I get that. Right when you discontinue something like that, my, you know, the flag would raise and say, why would you discontinue that? You have 5,000 people. Don't you want as many people as you can, especially younger people, to watch your games? Uh, $30 for parking? I mean, in that place. It's insane. Raising concession stands um, in terms of and have apps that don't want yeah, I think I think it's a great job of the athletic. And I as you go down each reason here, I believe every one. Yeah. I mean, I it it is a strange scenario
2: when the Las Vegas Lights, a USL team, will not only A outdraw the Oakland A's yes. for attendance, but B charge one third the price to yeah. park at Cashman Field to go to the game. Like, it it's, seems insane. Like, it seems absolutely insane what's happening there. So, I don't know. The other thing is, by the way, they increased uh, the prices for season ticket holders
0: for next year. Okay. Well, I guess how long is it going to take to build that uh, down by the waterfront? So, yeah, increasing it now is just yet another way to piss people off. Um, I'm more interested. I'm far more interested, and hopefully soon we'll know the Henderson public private partnership that they've discussed. So that was the interesting detail that Mick Akers tweeted out that of all the meetings,
2: the A's have had here, the only body, the only public body that they have discussed financing or a public private financing plan with is Henderson, which means despite coming here, what six times, six or seven times now, it's a lot. They have not talked to Clark County about it. They have not talked to Carolyn Goodman in downtown Las Vegas about it. The old, They've only talked to one public body about doing a private public financing plan, and that is Henderson, which leads me to believe that Henderson threw themselves out there and said, listen, we got money for you. We got money and land. How much you want? Like, that leads me to believe that. But also, it leads me to believe that they're not entirely serious about moving here because, like. If you're coming here and you've been here six to seven times and you really think you're going to move to Vegas, I feel like those conversations would have started with a lot more people than just Deborah March. Like you're at least talking about it with these people, at least getting an idea of, hey, can we make this happen? But if you're telling me they haven't had a conversation with anybody in like Clark County level, downtown Las Vegas level, or just the state of Nevada level about, hey, how much public
0: money do you think we could get? Or how much do you think you need? Then how can you say you're coming here? Not to give Clark County credit on, on a lot of things when it comes to this stuff, but maybe everyone else is smart and they realize that pretty quick, and they only think, "Well, the only one's not smarter down at Henderson because <laughs> she'll <laughs> give us hundreds of millions of dollars." I mean, they have the land down there, but you say here in the rundown, would Henderson give hundreds of millions of dollars to the Ace? I don't put anything past Henderson. Do they have hundreds. I don't know millions if they have of hundreds dollars? of millions. I mean, they, enough people down there got upset when they did the deals with Foley, and that was forty million. For, they gave. They have giving in total forty-two million. The, the the way Henderson did it, they.
2: One day of the week, they announced $42 million to the Silver Knights, right. Bill Foley, to build that Henderson event center. Mm-hmm. And then the very next day at a city council meeting announced they had a $40 million budget shortfall. <laughs> like that happened. So yes. You're going to give the A's $300 million? And then the next day announced you have a $300 we have a short million dollar, dollar, hole?
0: We have a shortfall like, of 342.
2: Yeah, million. Like, we still haven't made up the money
0: we gave to Foley.
2: I te- I, okay, here's the thing. I tend to believe that Henderson would absolutely give the A's 300, 400, five hundred million dollars if it had if it. they had it. I don't I, I can't imagine they do. And again, maybe they didn't even have it when they gave it to Bill Foley and right. they might just say, whatever, we'll figure it out. But I feel like if we're talking about four or five hundred million dollars, I don't think there's any way Henderson.
0: If they have that. that much to give, I'm moving from Summerlin because obviously they've got a lot more down there than I have up in Summerlin. If they continue to give these people hundreds of millions of dollars to build sports complexes, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't,
2: don't you live down there?
0: Yeah, I do live in Henderson. Well, you live in a great place down there.
2: I mean, well, no. Once we give the A's $500 million, it's going to cost too much to live here. I'm going to have to move. You're moving to Summerlin. Yes. You know, I'm going down the 250. I'm going back. <laughs> so I just I can't imagine they have $500 million, because, because, again, here's the situation for the A's. They have, right now, they have from Oakland $495 million. The city of Oakland has agreed to give them $495 million in public money. They have that. They can accept that $495 million right now. I cannot imagine they would move here without getting at least that much or at least close to that much. Like if Henderson comes in and says $200 million. I can't imagine they take that. That to me just sounds like a dumb business decision.
0: Well, Henderson has to give up the land, right? We always make fun of it, yeah, but that that has to be but, like an automatic. Right,
2: but that way, if, if Henderson gives them two hundred million dollars, the land is only worth like twelve oh, million yeah, it's or not something. Worth it. Like right. it's not, it's nothing compared to the two hundred right. million. But again, if Henderson only can get, like, let's just say hypothetically, Henderson says here's two hundred million dollars. I can't imagine no. the A's decide we're leaving behind nearly five hundred million. To take two hundred million in a smaller
0: media what market. What do these What do these things cost? The ballparks? Yeah. Well, okay. Fi- I mean, so, Allegiant costs two. So the one here would be, the estimation is a billion dollars because they have to put a. Roof They're not on coming it. for something that they have to come up eight hundred million dollars right. for.
2: The The thing that's different is that in Oakland they want to build a ballpark and they want to build like yeah, all the infra- apartments all the, yes. and shopping and right. like the all whole the retail around is it. like yeah. twelve billion. Yeah. But the ballpark itself is probably a billion or less for what they want to do in Oakland. So just the ballpark, we're talking about a billion dollars, and they've got four ninety-five from Oakland. They don't Already. have anything right now from anybody in the valley. Henderson might give them something, but I just can't imagine it comes anywhere close to the four ninety-five. And until that changes, I can't imagine the A's. They have sure. to go back to Oakland one more time. Yeah. Who knows what Oakland
0: right. ultimately will do.
2: Alameda County is eventually going to vote on if they're going to give them because the A's want 865. They want 865 million. They want it from Alameda County. Alameda County said we're not voting on that yet last month or something. Yes. So once Alameda County, if they vote on it, we'll see what happens and if they give them money or not. But at the end of the day, they're getting more money. So coming yes. up next, Riley Herbst joins the show. It's
0: the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: NASCAR playoffs are here and joining us now is Riley Herbst he'll be racing in the Xfinity series playoffs uh tomorrow 4 30 out at Las Vegas Motor Speedway is the Allsco 300. Riley how are you this morning? Hi
1: Riley. How's it going? Thanks for having me.
2: We are good so Riley Herbst uh Las Vegas native I'm curious when you when you guys race in Vegas how much do you actually get to like see anybody or do anything in the city?
1: Yeah, so actually I come out home a little bit early, um, so I flew out home probably Monday night, uh, Tuesday afternoon, to see some friends and family and um, spend a few nights back in back in my bed and sleep at home, and then we go racing on Saturday. So it's good to come out here and see some people.
0: Have you, I don't, because of your schedule, um, have you been to Allegiant Stadium? What do you think about the Raiders being here and you grew up here, and did you think you'd see a day with an NHL and an NFL team here?
1: No, but it's really cool, and I was joking <laughs> with my buddies that uh, I already bought my tickets to the Super Bowl in February because we're two zero. So, uh, Hold on. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just messing around. But uh, I might go to the Raiders game on Sunday, so I'm oh, excited, nice. and uh, they're playing well.
2: What's I mean? What's it been like to you to watch that? To watch this city? I mean, beyond just having the Las Vegas Motor Speedway out there and and what UNLV, but now to have professional sports major sports in this city be a massive sports city
1: it's so cool because like as you know like growing up here you probably root for la teams or the cardinals or something like that so now we have somebody to somebody to root for um now it's just a matter of time until we get an nba team i think so uh we're keeping our fingers crossed and hopefully we get one
2: Riley, i have an important question do you play fantasy football
1: Uh, I do not play fantasy football. Okay. Okay.
2: All right. I was going to ask, so Daniel Carlson, the kicker for the Raiders, he said this week that he plays fantasy football and he actually lost to himself in fantasy football. And I feel like you got to let Daniel Carlson draft himself. If you're playing against him in fantasy football.
1: Yeah, that's kind of tough. I read that article. Actually, (laughs) I don't know how you (laughs) win a game for your team, but lose to yourself (laughs) in fantasy football. I guess there's kind of a conflict of interest there.
0: If Xfinity had fantasy, would you draft yourself?
1: Um, we do have that nice. DraftKings deal, but we are not allowed to play that game. Oh, yeah. well, we won't Yeah, yeah. It's all good. <laughs> how, uh,
0: how cool is it? Um, you're a little under the cut line, but you're back to back, uh, how many straight uh, top five finishes, back to back top five finishes, but you get to start this thing in Vegas. Does that give you more confidence? Are you more comfortable to start this thing and make a run at it?
1: Yeah, I'm really confident. I don't think I've ever been more confident before a race. Um, back to back top five finishes, five out of the last six races, we've been in the top 10 and coming back home we'll see friends and family on a good mile and a half racetrack. Uh, so I think we're going to start the playoffs really well. Um, but we need to capitalize on all these opportunities and, uh, hopefully we can make it to the next round.
2: You, uh, were on the outside looking in not too long ago, as far as the playoff picture went, but a, a good finish there to the regular season. What's been different as this season's gone on for you?
1: I think just more and more chemistry, obviously, as with a different team and organization last year. So it was kind of like starting from zero um, when I switched over to Stewart Haas Racing and Ford Performance. So it took us a little bit longer than we wanted to get acclimated with each other. But um, now that we are, I feel like we're going in the right direction.
0: Talked to Joe Lugano earlier this week about the pandemic. You're a young writer uh, trying to continue to uh, rise the charts, trying to continue to develop. Was it even harder on someone like yourself than it would be, like an established uh, cup guy?
1: Man, I think so. I think you can make the argument um, either way, but for a young person like myself and other young guys in the sport with no practice and um, no qualifying, you just have to show up and race. I think that's fairly difficult. So I think the advantage was to the guys who had a lot of experience
2: uh, now that you're racing for Stuart Haas, do you have a good Tony Stewart story yet?
1: Uh, not yet. <laughs> um, nothing to share or write home about, but uh, not, he's awesome, and um, it's really cool driving for him.
0: We asked Joey when he started racing. How old were you?
1: I started racing at that little go-kart track outside of Las Vegas on our speedway when I was about six or seven. Oh. So, uh, I've been doing this racing thing for quite some time now. It's always six-year-olds. Yeah.
0: He was Joey was six also. It's like like the magic number.
1: Yeah, I don't obviously don't have a kid for myself, but I think six is when they start to understand things. (laughs) If you're, if I was any younger and be able to understand something, I think my dad would have put me in a go kart younger. But I don't think I can comprehend things below six.
0: Listen, I have a twenty-three year old. It's not just six where they don't understand things. So don't worry (laughs) about it. It's It's not just six years old. Uh,
1: <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Riley. You're uh, you've had racing in your family. I'm curious. I don't know how much you remember from when you were first put into a, a go kart to race there. But like, was that just sort of the expectation in your family? Like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put him in a go kart and see what he does.
1: I mean, kind of in the beginning, but um, then once I got older, because um, I started with my cousins and stuff, and then you know, high school starts, middle school starts, and uh, they start to fade out of racing, and uh, I, I kind of just stuck to it. And wanted to try to make a career out of it. So
0: in the beginning
1: we definitely started. Um, our dads put us in go karts just to go have fun on the weekends with um, our family members. But then as we burnt out, or wanted to do different things.
2: Yeah, hold on, we lost you just for a second there, but we're good now. We got you back. We got you back. So Riley Herbst with us. Uh, he'll be out in the Xfinity Series tomorrow out at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Um, which of your which of your family members do you think is the best racer ever?
1: Man, I'd have to say my dad. I think uh, he tops the cake right now um, in the <laughs> off-road stuff. But we always have a, a friendly bet if he ever tries to do asphalt. I don't think he's got a chance. <laughs> I was
0: going to say you made it a point to say right now, so obviously yeah. in the future you
1: believe you will pass him. I hope so. <laughs>
0: what do you? What do you need? Like when? When? When will you
2: declare yourself better than your dad? What? What result are you looking for?
1: Uh, yeah. So there's a bunch of big off-road races down in Mexico, but I feel like. I have to surpass him or equal him in the off-road uh, wins category to pass him in that category. But when it comes to racing, I don't—I uh, don't think it's a competition yet.
0: <laughs> What's going to be the difference now if you win a championship this year?
1: I just think consistency um, and just just getting a little bit older and a little bit uh, better as a race car driver. But like I said, if we kind of be consistent through this first round and move ourselves on to the round of eight and then possibly the round of four, I think it's. Attainable and hopefully we can fight for a championship.
2: Well he is Riley Herbst. Uh again, the Xfinity series playoffs is tomorrow at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, four thirty start time. You can watch that on NBC Sports Network if you are not going down there. Uh Riley, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, we appreciate Riley. it. Best of luck.
1: Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you.
0: you. Go Raiders. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> Beat the game Sunday. Good for him. You thought you not throwing your kid in a go kart at six years old? No. I throw him in a like the basketball court. I, did, I didn't have. Uh, I didn't have the go kart around the house.
2: I I've never seen six year olds race anything, but I've seen six year olds play like basketball yes, or soccer. Absolutely, yes, uh, there's no chance that I'm putting those kids in a go
0: kart and having them race no. each other. No. What? No. No
2: way. Like how? I, that seems like
0: the such the closest a young age we ever got race. was what's that? Uh, and he actually won it. You build your little car and you race it down a hill. Soapbox Derby, but no, but it was a small one. It was oh. a small. One. It was. Um, There's another name. I have yes. no idea. It wasn't soapbox. It was okay. li- a, like a little car, like a model car. All right. That you build and you throw it down the uh, throw it down the street and someone crosses the line first. What did
2: he build it out of? Like how wood. Okay. Like it, this was like from scratch. Like yes, the whole absolutely, thing. Absolutely. Yes. Wooden wheels yes. or and whatever. It, and the trophy he yeah.
0: got was smaller than the car. <laughs> 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 so, uh, how, how much of this did you build versus he built? Uh, we did it together, but I will say I was proud of them only because a couple kids at that school, I think, had uh, the uh, you know the dime or the nickel underneath the car that made it go faster. We were completely clean, no roids, no juice, no coins. We built the thing from scratch and still won it. And it was one of those, like, Charlie Brown ones where we're like, all right, we saw the other, like, you know, I, I'm surprised kids didn't get out of their cars in their racing suits. I mean, you know, these dads were nuts about it. We have to win. Ours looked like Linus from Charlie Brown, like it was the worst car ever <laughs> built. (laughs) It had no cheating to it No aerodynamics Flames coming out of it And for somehow it won And we have We laugh to this day It's like it was the worst car ever So when did you start cheating? Oh, about a year later. Okay, I was gonna <laughs> yes. say. Oh all, no, yeah. All no. we know
2: is like Ed coaching softball over here. Oh We're yeah, no, it was it was a quick
0: and... quick movement into the like cheating world of <laughs> trying to steal signs and you know uh, get players. And you'll love this. You'll, <laughs> you'll love this. One of the best players that ever played for the softball. She was a baseball player before. Really great player. She played at Army. Now she's serving our country. Uh, great for her, but um, she was an incredible player. She showed up. To a practice one time, she knew a kid on the team, and we said, Oh, you can take some swings. And like the first swing, I'm like, Lefty, I'm like, How are we getting this kid? And like, Yeah, you got to go through channels, through channels. I literally just took one of our jerseys and I said, Yeah, you want to come on the team? So, like, sure. She goes home with a jersey, and her parents are like, What's that? She goes, I think I'm on this team, but I'm not sure how. And they're like, Who's Ed? And why do you have a jersey? And I don't know how, maybe because I was the president of the league. I uh, like a week later, the kid was on my team, and she like ended up being one of the best players in the state. <laughs> it's many years ago. I can tell that story now. The kid was like 12. <laughs> like, yeah, the best was the parents. Why do you have that jersey on? Who's that? What are you doing? <laughs> she goes, "I'm on this team." I think. Who's Ed? <laughs> yes. Who's Ed? <laughs> All right. Know? Coming up next, we'll jump into some college football because the
2: American could be adding teams very soon. We're back to the press box with
0: Grady and Bischoff.
2: College football is always fun. So, throwing the athletic about the American Athletic Conference, uh, speaking about their commissioner Mike Aresco. Aresco would not hint at any hint at or name any schools the AAC is considering, but a western wing of Mountain West schools is believed to be among the top targets, including Boise State, San Diego State, Colorado State, and Air Force. According to others, Mike Oresco believes the AAC will add teams in the coming weeks. So do you think we're going to have two teams leave the Mountain West
0: here in the next month or so? If two go, I think it's uh, what we've uh, talked about before. I think it's CSU and Air Force. I don't know why they would go, but if they want to go, uh, open the door for them. Uh, I think the bigger uh, issue and question is, and we talked about earlier in the week, was what does the Mountain West do? I think we were both on the same page of stay at 10, and uh, you'd have to add a basketball program only. Um, you put out Gonzaga. I talked to some people about uh, after we talk, after we spoke about that, and they thought that was really interesting. They, they The counter was exactly what you and I said, though, and Mark Few makes these decisions at the WCC. I don't even think the conference does. People laugh at that, but Mark Few, you know, he runs that conference when it comes to basketball. And their exact reasoning was what we said. Why would he do that? Because he has everything he needs, and he actually makes more money than anyone else in the league. His team does. So why would he go? Right. I, I don't know why yeah. he would think that that's a move that improves his standing. Yeah, you'd have to convince him somehow or another. That yeah, I don't know
2: what they West give him. is them. better, and the more I mean, money is is the best answer. But I don't the know the only thing you can. Give
0: I don't know how much more money you can actually offer. I mean, the Mountain West, games. how many conference games do they play right now? Uh, eighteen. Right and somewhat some 20. Yeah. And the WCC's at sp- 16 specifically because Mark Few said we're playing 16 because I can play <laughs> Michigan and I can play Baylor and I can play the great teams in these right. you know in these in these neutral court games. That's why they did it. So I don't he wouldn't as much as they'd want Gonzaga. I don't think he'd come over to the Mountain West and have that kind of power. Oh, yeah,
2: I don't think you would either. I think you might get a situation where they have the Boise State set up where Boise gets a little right. bit more TV get, money. Yeah, exactly. Maybe Gonzaga gets a little bit more money or something like that, but I don't know that he'd have the power to, you know, oh, we're, we're dropping conference games. We're going from 18 down to 16. I don't no. know that he would be able to do that in the Mountain West. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know how, how able the Mountain West is to convince Gonzaga, but that's, to me, what they should try to do. This was also from the athletic story assuming that the Mountain West lost a team or two here to the AAC. Some people in the Mountain West have pointed to North Texas Rice and Texas San Antonio as potential additions if the conference wants to reach into Texas, while also pointing to North Dakota State if on-field football success is more important. Is there any way the Mountain West would add North Dakota State from the FCS level and pull them up to the Mountain West and FBS level.
0: I mean, I never say never, but that entire statement's a joke. That's absolutely insane that you'd think that North Dakota State, as well as they, you know, they're the best FCS programmer have been for a long time. That they would make you a better football conference.
2: Yeah, I that can't.
0: Doesn't- I don't know where they came up with that.
2: I cannot imagine that the Mountain West would add North Dakota State. I think it would be kind of dumb to add a North Texas, a Rice, or a UTSA, but I could understand the logic of, hey, that's an FBS program already, and they're in Texas. That gets you into Texas as a conference. How much value is that when it's North Texas? Not that much, but I can understand that argument. I cannot understand a single argument for North Dakota State.
0: I mean, is it a big deal that... The AAC, what, they still have SMU, and you're worried that SMU is going to take a bunch of Texas kids over you if you want to go in and recruit the kid? I mean, you're a better group of five conference if you just stay with what you're at with the 10 teams. Is it, I mean, let me ask you, is it that important to have a foothold in Texas? Uh, By the way, a group of five foothold. We're not talking about, we're not talking about power five foothold. See, I don't think it is
2: simply because so the whole idea of like getting into certain markets or getting into certain states implies that your games, your conference, your teams are going to be like highly visible that they're going to be like a big deal. If you're adding North Texas. You're not a big deal in Texas, or, Texas, like, or San Antonio. The amount of it's just like, yeah, take San Antonio, yeah. which is a city that doesn't have a ton of professional sports. They have the Spurs and they have a soccer team, but what? That's it. Like, what? Are, what are we doing there? Like, nobody cares about UTSA, North Texas. If I remember correctly, is north of Dallas. Are mm-hmm. they even the tenth
0: most popular sports team in that no, area? Like, and that's a great point. I had a conference commissioner tell me one time when I asked him about this. Well, why is it important to be in Texas? And he said, it's not if no one's watching. And his point was, okay, you're in Texas. Where are they turning their TV channels to? Right. Because if they're not watching you, what does that mean? Because you're not going to go to the Texas kid and say, hey, you know, come here and they're going to watch. Like, no, they're watching Texas and Oklahoma and everyone else and and TCU and everyone else. Which
2: is part of the problem when people talk about Las Vegas as a booming sports market and UNLV. Because... Well, sure, Las Vegas looks like a growing sports market and, and things seem to be going great for our sports market as a sports market here. What is you where does UNLV fit in that picture? I mean, when we talk about important sports teams or health sports events in this city, where does the UNLV football game rank? It's like well, dead last. Like sure. we we're talking in the break about the UFC. They're bigger. Right. Like, sure, you can get into Las Vegas with UNLV, but Who who cares? Right. Like, who cares that you that you have UNLV because the Raiders are here, the Golden Knights are here. I mean, hell, the Las Vegas Aces and UFC are here, and those are more popular, more important than UNLV football at the moment. So it's that's that's part of UNLV's problem is that their football program's so irrelevant that in this town people don't care. Like they they just and there's nothing to care about. They haven't won a game in over 600 days.
0: (laughs) Join us in 30 seconds when we talk about UNLV football. (laughs)
2: Play Fresno State. <laughs> conference game. They it is have a conference a chance, game. opening right? conference.
0: That's why, yeah. They've got to the have league. a chance. It's league a conference play. game. Get, Anything can happen. Getting 32.